0: This podcast is produced on the land of the Wujak Noongar people, and we want to pay our respect to the elders past, present and emerging.
1: Courtney, welcome to the boardroom.
0: Hello, it's nice to be here. I haven't been <laughs> in this room for a while. It's not our, our usual recording studio, no. we're surrounded by theses and yeah, not not faeces, theses, say, PhD th. theses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, and your reports, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. Different. Yeah. No, it's good to change it up every now and then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit
1: more space in here, so I feel like it's a bit less claustrophobic. Yeah. It's yeah. a more casual feeling too. Ob- which obviously, is good. if someone's cutting the grass outside, you can hear that. But
0: <laughs> didn't happen yeah. today though, so it's okay. No, it
1: does happen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, we we uh, just have had a very interesting guest on.
0: Yes. Yes. So uh, we have uh, Shane Thomas here for you today Um, and he is an occupational therapist um, that in particular works with mental health and uh, uh, youth services. Yep. So really interesting experience of um, uh, skills and and thoughts, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A really interesting take on youth mental health and Mm -hmm. the health system and you know, how it works and what people need as well mm-hmm. and how to, how to adapt to those needs. Um, but, yeah, so Shane is an occupational therapist by by training um, and so kind of helps people manage their conditions and adapt their lifestyles and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that they can cope. Um, and we met Shane through Andrew Miller who we had on a few episodes ago yeah. um, who had the music room at CCAT yeah. and is also an occupational therapist but not not necessarily a youth focus and you'll see
0: some kind of similarities in in what we talk about between those two episodes i think
1: yeah yeah so it's really really interesting and just a really easy guy to have a chat with Mm. (laughs) and and loves talking about mental health i guess to raise awareness and
0: yeah and you'll hear all that in in the episode
1: yeah so please enjoy Part of recording. Right? <laughs> okay, great. Right. You, you can edit this out I I so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it gives me a great pleasure to welcome Shane Thomas to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, did you want to just give us a, a brief intro to yourself, where you are, and what you're doing?
2: Sure, Um, I am an OT, an occupational therapist by background and currently working at Youth Access, which is a youth mental health team, a a public government mental health team based in Wembley. And um, we cover all of Perth. So we're an outreach service for 16 to 24 year olds Mm -hmm. who are experiencing, well, it's an early intervention team but let's be honest, people, by the time they get to 16, they haven't just started experiencing difficulties mm-hmm. or issues. Um, it might have been happening for a very long time, but they might not have received treatment for these issues before. So we try and target those guys who are experiencing um uh, issues related to an emerging emotionally unstable personality disorder or a borderline personality disorder—really okay. weird terms, but because um, <laughs> it sounds like there's something wrong with you and your personality, <laughs> um, or yeah. people at ultra-high risk for psychosis. Okay, so we target those those guys who might not fit anywhere else. Um, might hit an emergency department, or school student services, mm-hmm. or even a inpatient psychiatric unit, but not quite meet the grade for a child and adolescent service or an adult mental health service. Okay. And nor would you maybe want them in an adult mental health service, mm-hmm. which kind of deals with the real pointy end. So I've been there for eight eight years okay. now, That's a good um, and love it. Yeah, love it great team the people we work with the the young crew are incredible um so i haven't hit that spot yet of of kind of going all right i think i need to move on (laughs) i'm I'm still in the sweet spot of like this is challenging it's good i'm learning lots feel like i'm having an impact Mm -hmm. still okay um so yeah that's that's where i'm at at the moment so my
1: first question for you is where do you guys fit in the mental health service ecosystem? Because I, I used to work at Tanoka up in the northern suburbs yep. um, as a resi youth worker. Mm-hmm. And we used to refer to like youth facts, youth focus and youth link and these yes. sorts of places. And then there's obviously um, Mind, uh, I forget the name of the
2: – My and near, Mind. My, yep.
1: um, Yeah, and there's a couple of other kind of um, – Government funded services as well. So where do you guys fit amongst all those? So we
2: probably um in that, we fit with YouthLink. So YouthLink are another um public mental health service for young people. Um we sit alongside them. Okay. So in WA we we've got child and adolescent health, which is zero to eighteen. We have adult Mental health, eighteen to sixty-four, and older adult, adult sixty-five plus. Youth kind of sits across the older end of child and adolescent, and the younger end of adult. Yep. Mm. But in in WA, we don't yet have a dedicated dedicated youth stream. So we have some youth programs and mm-hmm. services, but not a proper stream yet. Yep. There is. There's been talk for a long time about having a dedicated stream where if you are between 16 and 24, um, come to youth mental health. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. Okay. But it is, um has been talked about as part of the um, Young People's Priority Action Plan, which the Mental Health Commission released um, maybe 2020, yeah. to have a dedicated youth stream. Okay. So in youth mental health at the moment, for for North Metro Health Service, so that northern corridor, um, there's Youth Link who work with, and this is the confusing thing, they go down to 13 to 24 Mm -hmm. and they work with young people who have barriers to accessing mental health service. Mm -hmm. So like at Tonoka, people who are at risk of homelessness, Mm -hmm. crisis accommodation, Youth Link can follow them because they don't need to be in the one address. Mm -hmm. They can follow them all through the north, Okay. Um, which is really good for consistency. Yeah. Youth Access sits alongside YouthLink as a but providing a different service for a different demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, then we also have a youth hospital and the home team who mm-hmm. visit people for two weeks as a hospital diversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've got a a, a yet-to-be fully operational um, youth community assessment treatment team, Mm -hmm. which sees people for up to three months. So we're starting to build a range of services, but at the moment they're mainly um, quite niche still. Yeah, okay.
0: So why would we need, if if the, like, uh, at the moment, we've got the zero to 18-year-old yep. and the 18-whatever. Yep. Um, why do we need a specific stream for your 16 to 24s? What What makes them different?
2: Yeah, it's a good good question. Um, I think some of the older adolescents, so that 16, 17-year-old bracket, going to a child and adolescent mm-hmm. service, which could be zero to 18, could feel... Um, like they're a bit old mm. for the service mm-hmm. um, and similarly with the 18, 19, 20-year-olds sitting in an adult mental health service when it, it can be pretty bleak in the waiting room of an adult mental health service, you mm-hmm. know, they, they do deal with some chronic, severe, enduring type of mental health conditions like schizophrenia and severe depression and bipolar, mm-hmm. um, if you're sitting, if you're 18-year-old sitting in the room there waiting for your appointment, you know, the trajectory doesn't look great. Mm. Yeah. Um, so in youth, we can make our service quite, you know, more appropriate for the age group. Mm. Mm-hmm. So with the 16-year-olds, we might um, put a more, bit more scaffolding around them. We might help them out a bit more getting to their appointments Whereas for 23 24 year olds we might expect a little bit more independence mm-hmm. from them so and it's just such a, a an interesting age range mm. you know you've got you've got high school you've got all those navigating the social networks mm-hmm. um, you've got employment uh, or unemployment you've got substance use you've got individuating from your family <laughs> um, there's so much that happens over that eight year age group that's why i think youth um mental health does does have a space in our in our landscape
1: yeah that's that's um, really interesting um and some of the stuff you were talking about there about helping people get to their appointments and that sort of thing it make, makes me wonder what the breadth of experience is in your service in terms of the clinicians and support workers mm. and allied health workers and whatnot, like who, who's involved?
2: So in at Youth Access, we, we're a pretty small team. We have, um, in terms of our clinical team, we've got two clinical nurse specialist positions. So it's a senior nurse, two senior occupational therapist positions, two senior social worker positions, a senior clin- clinical psychologist, a clinical psychologist, a psychiatrist, triage nurse and a team leader. Okay. And our all-important admin person (laughs) who is the front of house has one of the bigger roles of welcoming people into the service. Okay. So because they're senior positions, a lot of the staff have worked, you know, many years through either child and adolescent mental health, adult mental health. Um, emergency services, inpatient um, helplines, non-government drug and alcohol. So it's very experienced team. Mm. Um, and with the with the youth side of it, we we make sure we try and because we're in Wembley and we cover we're a North Metropolitan Health Service team, but we cover all of Perth, so mm-hmm. like East Metro mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Yep. as well. Yeah, yeah. Yanshap, down to Waruna, mm-hmm. okay. pack lunch, you know, yep. podcasts, maybe this podcast, <laughs> yes. if you're lucky. Um, out to Mundaring. So yep. we, we need to be pretty mobile as a workforce because we're working with young people who, you know, those those conditions we're talking about will also have anxiety. Mm-hmm. They will have difficulties getting around. Um so we need to be mobile. So we, we go see them, and yeah. we need to be pretty flexible with our approach. It's not a three-strike you're out approach mm-hmm. if you don't turn up. We need to, like I said, with the younger guys, just be a bit more persistent and maybe bring family in if we can. Mm-hmm. Um, we sit in parks, beach on the beachfront, a lot of cafe work if it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes sit in schools, use the headspace sites around. So, yep. yeah, um, the, the the biggest skill and the most important skill I think that we need is um, to build that relationship, that trusting, predictable relationship because typically the people we see have had um, disrupted attachment with their caregivers mm-hmm. or unpredictable attachment for, for loads of reasons. And, you know, people are just doing the best mm-hmm. they can but... Maybe a family member had a mental health issue as well or a substance use issue or was unemployed, which made it really difficult to be that solid, predictable parent. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's um, some, some big traumas that happened as well, um, you know, um, sexual abuse and um, domestic violence and um, those types of things. So we need to be a, a safe, trusting service. So that's the biggest skill that um, our team Mm-hmm. I think does possess and, okay. and needs you can learn you can learn all the other tricks you know around um, treatment um, evidence based practice and treatment mm-hmm. but if you can't connect with that person um, you're not going to be able to use your, your toolkit
1: yeah so agility and adaptability is really the third yep. key words right yep So you need to be able to respond to their needs. And if they need need to go for a walk instead of sitting down with you, then that's all
2: you do sort of thing. Yep. If sitting in a clinical room is not the right thing, let's go outside and sit on the bench. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's too overstimulating. We need the clinical space just to um, get rid of those distractions. Okay. Yeah.
1: And the pathways into your service, I'm sure they vary. Um, Do you have people referred and do you have people just walking in or how does it work?
2: We don't have walk-ins. But we do have people who call up and do refer themselves. Okay. Um, the service now is, it'll be 10 years old next month in June. That's mm. great. Which okay. is, yeah, yeah is, is awesome. Um, so it's really grown and been become part of the mental health landscape. And it's really good when you have young people referring themselves and say, mm. I've had a friend there or a family member. They've had a good experience. Mm-hmm. We'd like to come. So. We have a uh, like a triage phone line, mm-hmm. um, so people call that, and the triage officer will um, speak to the young person or the referrer and work out what service they need to go to. Mm-hmm. We think that's a really important part of well that, that we we do the work for that. Mm-hmm. They've they've done the work in picking up the phone, mm-hmm. which is huge. Um, so we make sure we try and do the work there. But the referrals come from everywhere, from the young person, their family, schools, clinical psychologists in the community, headspace is probably one of our bigger referrers because of the age demographic, mm-hmm. adult mental health, child and adolescent mental health, inpatient units, emergency departments, TAFEs, um, justice, yeah, mm-hmm. anywhere, anywhere. Okay. Do you have like a um, an email line or a text line as well? Got an email line. Yep. So the email can come via phone call or via email. We've got a referral form, but we're not going to get a young person to fill that out. Although some of them have, and I must say, a lot better than some of our (laughs) 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 professional professionals (laughs) who like to say thank you for seeing blah blah blah, and that's it. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah. yeah. That sounds like a GP. That does sound like a GP, yeah. Yeah. Don't want to throw our GP (laughs) listeners under the bus. Um, But, yeah, so referrals can come from anywhere, email, um, phone, yeah, Yeah. but not not walk in. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, it'd it's hard to find us anyway. Yeah.
0: Considering you have to move around all the time. yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: So Headspace was actually the service I was trying to think of and I can't remember the name before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how does it work? Are they kind of like a really low threshold that anyone can kind of contact service and then they look at brokering to the appropriate agency? Is that how that works?
2: You would think so in terms of the low <laughs> threshold. But anyone can walk through the door there or yeah. pick up the phone and call. And they work with young people, I think 12 to 24. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, they're... Anyone can walk in. Mm-hmm. So they have a range of young people accessing or wanting to access help um, from people who are struggling with, um, you know, like maybe difficulties at school, difficulties in the home, um, to right through to very complex needs and difficulties. Mm-hmm. So they play a very important role because they're accessible. You don't need a caregiver to take you there to your appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, so young people can go there without mum and dad knowing or grandma or a support worker knowing um, and they will do an assessment and then work out what the best service to go to is. In-house, they usually also have... clinical psycho- or psychologist mm-hmm. who can do um, under a mental health care plan mm-hmm. six to 12 sessions in a calendar year. Um, they might have a drug and alcohol worker there as well, mm-hmm. an employment specialist, a visiting GP. Um, they try and be a, a, like that one-stop shop mm-hmm. for, for young people yeah. as well. But, yeah, they're they're an excellent um uh, we've got an excellent, or rela- we'll try and have an excellent relationship with them because yeah. the young people that um, we can work with, they can direct to us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and then the, um, I guess
1: the experience that your clients have, you know, how how long would they be with you, and how, what's their pathway kind of out of your service once they've, you know, addressed their needs. Yeah.
2: Um, so we see people for six months, mm-hmm. which um you know if you're seeing someone for once a week for an hour that's potentially you know 26 Mm. 26 to 30 sessions um ideally we are sending people back to their gp as a discharge pathway Mm -hmm. the gp is 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 the key is the primary care provider should hold all the information to then go all right here's the historical stuff we need to refer you to here um, Mm So if people don't have a GP, we encourage them to get one because that's where all our information is going to go to during their episode of care with us. Mm -hmm. We can be flexible with that six months. Sometimes people get enough before then Mm -hmm. or some people don't really like it as well. Um, Some people we need a longer period of time. Might be something going on in their life. Um, they might be changing their medication and we'd just like to see how that, Mm -hmm. that settles. Um, they might be finishing a piece of, you know, piece of work with us as well, or we might be waiting for that discharge pathway to another service, like another youth service or, um, or a non-government service, Mm -hmm. or they might be doing exams. We're, yeah, and we're not going to dump them and then have a month or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. So your role is an occupational therapist, yep. and I think a lot of people wouldn't think that that team fits with the occupational therapists. So mm. what exactly do you do in? in oh, your
2: team? geez, that's a yeah. tough question. <laughs> um, so I'm the I'm the team leader at the team, but yeah. I do have a, a caseload, and occupational therapy works in really well. With people with mental health issues because um, I, I guess we our, our philosophy is that uh, that people have roles and people should be able to participate in the roles in their life as independently as possible so in a physical health setting that might be providing someone with equipment like a like a chair in the shower because they they struggle to stand in the shower or a rail um, to get up and down off the toilet with with us it might be. Um, grading activities and things in their life so they can still achieve. Might be bringing in a support worker to help them access the activities because they can't catch public transport or they don't drive. Mm -hmm. It might be... For us, contacting the university and, and letting them uh, advocating for them to have a like a support plan, yeah. extensions on assignments because um, they're incredibly anxious, yep. um, or there might be um, ADHD as well as a comorbidity. Um, so we're able to advocate for those types of things. Mm-hmm. So the OT looks at a person and their and their environment. And how they interact with the environment and, and their roles within that environment um, might be a family member. So, how can that person be a really good family member? For us, it, the clients we see or the young people we see, it's um, you know their their interpersonal skills might be a bit um, a bit black and white, or they might have that push pull, and just be thinking that their family is going to let them down, so they. Interact with their family like they're going to let them down, mm-hmm. and then it happens, and then it perpetuates, and off they go. So we might be looking at building some of those skills around. It's not black and white. There's a there's a middle path there. How do we get to the middle path?
1: Mm-hmm. We've, we had a, a guy on in a previous episode who was a self harm researcher with mm. adolescents, and we talked about borderline personality, mm. and got him to describe actually the features of that mm. illness and condition and some of the stuff you're talking about there sort of reminds me of what he said about people's perceptions of things are not quite accurate and so they need to learn that it's not all good and all bad it's usually somewhere in the middle
2: and it's a tough one it's something that i have to work on as well um that we all have our biases or when our Mm. story is going on in our head we look for evidence to support that story these guys just have it dialed up yeah. a bit more and the world has let them down or mm-hmm. their attachment with um, key figures in their life has, has not been secure. Mm. Um, so they find themselves then in relationships with people who might also be, you know, you might think, why are they doing that? Why are they traumatising themselves even more in, a, in another abusive relationship when they've come from one? Mm. But often it's around their a- attachment style and what they're what they've been taught mm-hmm. um so yeah self-harm is one of those things where people often just use it as a are using it as a coping strategy mm-hmm. um some people describe it as well it's the physical pain i feel is better than the emotional pain i feel on the inside or the numbness i feel is horrible i just want to feel something or something as bad. well so um Again, we talk to people about maybe you know, the role of their coping strategies and maybe there's something else we can do to, to help them. Mm. But we don't expect people to give up something without having something in place. Mm. To replace it or yeah. a healthier behaviour yep. or whatever response. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about the
1: people who have the rubber band on their wrist mm. and mm.
2: they
1: pull that and snap that. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Or the or the ice as well, mm. or some mm-hmm. people paint red on their forearms as well um, or get tattoos or henna, yeah. um, whatever works. And, and we're just looking at reducing the harm of all these things and what's mm-hmm. a, a slightly more adaptive coping strategy. Mm-hmm. It's the same with um, drugs and alcohol to, to cope with emotions. Um, what can we do to reduce the harm mm-hmm. there?
1: So, would you say that that's a common thing that people come in with two or three kind of co-occurring issues, like possibly drugs and alcohol, possibly yep. a mental health problem alongside that, you know, and possibly something else? Yep, yeah.
2: absolutely. The dr- drug and alcohol, the the stats vary, but you kind of expect it as opposed to it being the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Are we we're seeing lots of. Um, disordered eating or or negative cognitions around food or body image, not necessarily an eating disorder, but we're seeing, you know, and again, for the people that we see, um, that can be part of um, something that they can control. They can control um, restricting their eating or or binging purging. Um, It could be also a form of self-harm. It could be a form of coping. Um, so that's a comorbidity we're seeing a fair bit of over the last few years. Neurodivergence, mm-hmm. um, so ADHD and autism spectrum disorder. Um, and we're just, yeah, we're trying to play catch up with mm-hmm. all this and, and, and get better and better Yeah, because you can't always just, um, go to somebody, all right, you've got, say, with the drug and alcohol, you need to go see a drug and alcohol service, fix that, and then come and see that. See yeah. us. That that doesn't – those days should be – Silos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Should be. We're good at silos. Yeah. They should be behind us, but then they're, they're not totally. So we need to kind of upskill, build our capacity as a workforce because we might be that one person that these guys see and they, and they might have a really good relationship with us. So – Um, I think we need to build our capacity to work with all these things. And then when it gets to that specialist end, there are other services, but we should work alongside each other. Yeah. So we
1: had Taryn Harvey on in the last episode from WHAM, Mm -hmm. and she was talking about how they've started embedding mental health support workers in other services like housing services and employment services and stuff like that, which is the ultimate breakdown of silos. So the fact that you're talking about just within a health context is interesting mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, because obviously they know, they appreciate that the public system can't fix everything like yeah. in terms of housing and employment and stuff. And so trying to get people into private rentals, for example, with support may be a good short-term option, but obviously landlords need to be comfortable and if there's a, mental health support worker in there that can say, look, this person's being supported, you can call me yep. if they're having a, an issue and it gives the landlord more confidence to rent their place out and, yeah, but, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying as well with the different agencies working together.
2: Absolutely. I think, you know, it's not a, a, a new world problem, is it, communication and working together. Mm. And mm. We can get a bit protective about our resources but, yeah, um, the best thing to do is to have relationships with other services. Yeah, we're working with same types of young people mm. or adults, kids, you know. And ideally, if we can put the put the work in early, they don't they don't have that support worker when they're an adult. Yeah, you know. Ideally,
1: they've learned those
2: <laughs> yeah things about themselves and yep. how to cope and whatever. Yeah. But like you said, silos. We're so good at it. Mm. We don't we don't talk that well because we're too busy. Yeah. Um, but if we can build these relationships with each other, it tries it, It's going to make the path for the the person easier, and it's going to make it easier for the the service as well. Yeah. Nice. So we have some some good partnerships, but a lot more we it just need to kind of develop. Yeah. And it takes time, but I think it, it's definitely worth it. Yeah.
1: I agree. Well, hopefully mm. we're moving more towards that. Um, I know the community legal centres are starting to try and do that as well. Mm-hmm. Get people embedded in these services who may mm-hmm. who may be able to help with legal, yep. like low kind of threshold legal services because that's often a need, isn't it? That you know it's mm. too hard to go and see a lawyer, but if there's a lawyer sitting there, yeah, maybe you'll chat to them and they'll be able to help you out.
2: And these guys inevitably get caught up in in legal issues, don't they? Like un, unpaid in, fines or. Yeah. Um, something to do with the tenancy and mm-hmm. it's it's so hard to to get legal support. So mm. the, those, yeah, mm. I think there was like the youth legal service yeah, and right. um, those types of places which are just amazing mm. and a great resource. That's but good. there are some great resources around but it still doesn't quite meet the demand. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think
0: as a young person it can be hard to find those things as well. Like, yep. you, need a, you need to have a yeah. place to start.
1: I think um, so. Yeah, I think some practitioners it. struggle to work with young people yeah. as well because of their different needs or their different attitudes yeah. and stuff, or so, maybe
2: yeah. they've got young people um, yeah. themselves yes. and really stru- really struggle <laughs> with the uh, <laughs> you know or it could be too too close to home. Yeah, you mm. know. Um, but um, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, it's gone. Well, what's yeah. you
1: thinking about that, speaking of young people. Um, my, a lot of my research is set in the justice mm. space and prisons in particular. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of discussion at the moment about Banksia Hill, mm. which is a juvenile mm. detention centre here. And you've mentioned neurodivergence before, neurodisability and whatnot. Obviously, um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is a huge issue in that facility, along with things like autism and PTSD and whatnot. Um, yes, yeah, what's your view on how things are going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they've just announced that they're going to be sending people from the age of 18 into the adult prison straight away. You know, you, usually they were able to finish their sentence in the juvenile prison and mm-hmm. they may be 18, 19, 20 when that happens. But now I believe as of their 18th birthday they're going to go next door to the to the, the men's prison. <laughs>
0: Happy
2: birthday. Here yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem too dissimilar to having uh, a service that crosses over that older end of the adolescent youth into Mm -hmm. the younger end of the adult. Yeah. Because an 18-year-old in an adult prison doesn't seem like the best idea, Mm. you know, Um, much like an 18-year-old sitting in an adult mental health service. You've got trajectory, you've got, um, oh, it'd be really tough. You've got Mm -hmm. some pretty hardened characters in in the adult prisons. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder if there's something you can do. And, of course, there's um, mature minors and versus not mature minors and yep. young adults, but there's a way to keep these sep- these guys separated a bit. Mm. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like a great idea. It's a tough one.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, particularly as sort of the uh, term FASD has been referred to as an excuse, you know, oh, it's offered yeah. up as an excuse oh. for their behaviour and all this yeah. sort of stuff. Yep. And yeah, it just oh. feels like really stigmatising language and, like, we're going backwards in that space rather than forwards. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, not dissimilar also to borderline personality yeah. disorder, being um, people just acting out and being difficult for the sake of it or mm. being dramatic. Um, yeah, trying to – if what, what we do try is to, you know, you see a behaviour that's above the water but underneath and the iceberg – Um, Mm -hmm. analogy, what what need is driving that behaviour? And if it's FASD, you can kind of almost separate the behaviour from the person a bit and understand it a bit better. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm not sure if it's an excuse. (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) Do you get much of that in your service
2: with stuff like FASD? Probably undetected, undiagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. And and do you guys then pick it up or...? If we suspect it, Mm. we would uh, refer to either our clinical psychologist within youth mental health or a specialist um, assessment team outside of youth mental health. Yeah. Mm.
0: So, um, you said that you've been part of the team for eight mm-hmm. years, right? Um, so, has there been any change in the type of patients that you see over those eight years, or is it pretty similar with borderline um, eating disorders and alcohol and drugs?
2: Um, what our, our team would say um, the issues people are coming with now are more complex, mm. or the comorbidities are, are more. Mm-hmm. So, the. And that's interesting. Yeah, and it's hard to know whether they've always been there or if we're just better at detecting yeah. things now. on. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really don't know. But um, and maybe because our service is becoming a bit more well known, mm-hmm. you're starting to see more mm-hmm. people. Um, we're definitely seeing a lot of a lot of young people that come our way with um, a complex trauma presentation. They've mm-hmm. so like complex PTSD um which can yeah it's really difficult hey like if we, we we like an emerging emotionally unstable personality disorder can have similar characteristics to PTSD complex PTSD mm-hmm. ASD mm-hmm. ADHD and there's this big Venn diagram of a mm-hmm. mess of symptoms you know, and characteristics yeah. yeah yeah so um we're definitely seeing more a, a, yeah, an increase in the complexity young people are coming with, mm. but we see that in in the world around us too, don't we? With mm. like, how's the housing issue for for young people? Yeah. Distress, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like, we know the um, you know, the cost of rent is going up. Mm. Um, mm. I know lots of people, myself, who are struggling. If their rent goes up another x amount of dollars, they're going to have to move out of their area because mm-hmm. they can't afford, and you're dislocating. Families Mm -hmm. and communities. Um, These guys are. I don't know how they get into the to the market. Mm. It's a real massive issue. So that's that's tough. Um, So pressure and expectations have gone up on all of us. Yeah. I think I'm not a COVID blamer, Mm. but I feel (laughs) like that anxiety and fear that was there for a couple of years has just dialed things up for Mm -hmm. everybody. Are all just operating at a slightly different foundation. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I
0: I think also with COVID um, and the, I I would say, an increased use of social media, you're like the most globally connected, but socially isolated as well. So you've got those expectations from what you're seeing online Mm. and and things like that. Um, I think that's a big thing. But also, um, I guess, in some of the stuff I've done, the complexity of younger people in terms of physical health has also changed as well. So there's more younger people um, being affected by physical health problems like mm-hmm. diabetes and, and heart disease and all that kind of stuff. So mm. that too would also play a part in increasing mental health um, issues. Mm. So it's all, all connected. Uh,
1: and I wonder how much of that's linked to stress,
2: you know. Yeah. It's stuff probably like all stress to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I can see everything yeah. being linked
2: to stress. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, so again, not a new problem, but it's creating like the, our technological advances are a blessing and a curse at the same mm. time. Like you mm. said, the social media thing's really interesting because you, as a young person, you need to, you know, we need adults too. We need connection, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it's so important. And that provides an easy access to connection, yeah. but it's a, but it can be a pretty false connection too. Um, that connection with people is is still so vital and, and community and, you know, and the earth and the ground and all yeah. that is yeah. still so important. But we get this false sense of connection from, you know, knowing what's going on in people's lives mm. intimately <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And some of that's nonsense as well. Oh, that's yeah. not really going yeah. on. Yeah. I just want you to think it's yeah. going on. Yeah. 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 Behind the scenes, people might be falling apart. But yeah. on, on social media, it might look because of filter how of the filter mm. yeah, the filter? Mm-hmm. yeah the that's Photoshop. it and is that photo even the person or is it an ai yeah. photo oh yeah God. <laughs> oh dear <laughs>
1: yeah this is stressing me out just talking about it actually yeah.
0: oh i know <laughs> uh, yeah
2: So, yeah, a lot of our work and a lot of work um, people I know um, are doing is around, like, connection, mm-hmm. slowing things down, whether you call it mindfulness or grounding or work-life balance. That, that's where a lot of us are trying to get to, just mm. to slow things down and just be in the present moment. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, trying to turn your phone off or put it somewhere where you can't access it for a period of time every day you know, that's one thing, isn't it? There's like,
0: no way I could do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but don't you notice when
2: you're more, when you're fizzing more? Yeah, you're looking for that more. You're looking for a scroll more because yeah. it's it's hitting that. You know, it's releasing something. A little dopamine mm-hmm. so
1: Obviously, it's been engineered right that yeah. way. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, it's like video games and all that sort of stuff. Whereas
2: when you're feeling like that, probably the best thing to do is to put it away Mm. and to… See a
0: friend. Yep, Mm.
2: see a friend. Channel that,
1: yeah. Yeah. Sit outside. Yeah, get some sunshine or Mm. some fresh air. Yeah. Yeah, so speaking of stuff like that, um, you know, the OT mental health work is one string to your bow. Yep. Um, Pardon the pun. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But you also have a music background as well.
2: Well, I do. Um, I'm a long time music lover, and more recently, um, have dipped my toe into playing a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which has been incredibly um, out of my comfort mm-hmm. zone. And that, but that started with, and I think music's a really important part of my life. It's mm-hmm. one of those things that I know um, fills my cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I can come back to work on a Monday feeling just. Energized. I can be a better partner, better father, um, better friend. It just there's something visceral about it for me mm-hmm. um, but also like sport as well but mainly because of the, the connection mm. again with, with people. So I'm in a bit of a band, I say a bit of a band at the moment. It mm. could be a book club really, <laughs> like, yes. you know, because it's, yeah. cause it's yeah. you know, it's about connecting with people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, a social yep. group basically. Yep. Yeah, social group of mm-hmm. like-minded people mm-hmm. is good. You know, we're all very kind to each other, supportive to each other. Um, so it's yeah, lots of hugs, mm-hmm. lots <laughs> of pats on backs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's really nice and supportive, and that that connects me as well to yeah. to people. So. I mean, it's taken me a little while to work out these things in a bit more consciously. I was doing them unconsciously before, but now I know exactly what role they play in my life. Yeah, and it's usually about connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music, or being down the beach, is super grounding because there's yeah, there's something about it that just brings you into the moment. Whether it's feeling the the bass drum or the bass guitar uh, going through your your chest or or a line in a song or you're down the beach and it's a it's a wave or it's the way the sun's hitting. It's just bringing you back into the mm. to the present moment. So I'm just a bit more conscious of that now. And when my life is feeling a little bit tipped one way, it's like, oh okay, I haven't been to the beach or I haven't seen a gig for a little while. I need to I need to do that to yeah. just to tip the scales a little bit. Yeah. Um, so those things are really important for me, Okay. Um, and then just trying to be a bit more present as a as a as a dad, uh-huh. which um, can be challenging at times <laughs> if you're tired and a bit um, highly strung. How you know, old are the kids? Twelve and nine. 12, okay, and and um, pretty independent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, let's be honest, they're running the show. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, say they're running the age. show. <laughs> yep. At that age, they're probably
1: smarter than us. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. yep, 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 <laughs> absolutely, and they let you know it. And then guess yeah. what, because that's what I used to do too. Yeah. I used to think I knew everything as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, all these things are really important part mm. of our lives like and, and the work we do um, with the young crew we see is about helping them find these things in their life as well mm-hmm. that help connect them, help ground them. Um, maybe it's a creative passion, maybe it's a relationship with family mm-hmm. but just trying to build that stuff again that might have got lost over some years of um, uncertainty Um, like lacking identity and direction (laughs) um, or overwhelming emotions and just bad stuff happening. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: find personally music is a really great way of stopping yourself from thinking about other things, Mm -hmm. like giving yourself a mental break Mm -hmm. and it's a a pleasant way of doing it for me. Yep. Yeah, I find
0: as well I tend to like... If I'm sad or angry or frustrated, I'll listen to music that is sad or angry and frustrated, yeah. but then I can transition into more happy music and, yep. like, within half an hour, I'm fine and happy. And that yeah, kind of thing. so you can use it to actually change how you're feeling as well. Which, mm. yeah, you can't really
2: go from sad to something really happy, can you? That's a really good point. You yeah. need to match. Your mood yeah, almost. and then You've got to feel it. you got
0: to feel the vibe. Is that like vibe. a
2: validation? Music yeah, validation? So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's like you're fisting a nose it's how I'm yeah, feeling now. absolutely.
0: So that's what I'm going to listen to. Sort of and fun. then you can transition out of it if you yep. want to. If you want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's a bit like reflecting emotion. Yeah. Like the music's yep. doing it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure exactly. people have use writing or painting yeah. for that kind of
0: yeah. thing as well, not just music,
1: but. Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. And do, does music form a part of any of your work?
2: Yes, um, a couple, and I think you might have spoken to Andrew about this as well. The Arts and Mental Health Network, which is a just a network of agencies who work with people um, who use the creative arts. So where Andrew works, they use um, they have art therapy, but they also have the music mm-hmm. program there as well. Um, we work with, um, part of the network as well as DADA, the, the disability arts, Mm -hmm. um, agency, um, who else, Salvation Army. So, um, the drug and alcohol youth service in East Perth, they often have like Mm -hmm. art therapists or art mentors or things like that, because we know the creative arts is such an important way of either telling our story or Mm. being, you know, tapping into that creative side. So we joined part of this network, um, I think it was like 2017 because they were doing an exhibition each year in Mental Health Week and I really wanted to put on a music event and we partnered with the network. They did the exhibition and we did the, the music event side of things at um, HQ in Leaderville mm-hmm. and we just put out a call to people to perform. You want to perform anything, you want to play guitar, you want to do a comedy show, you want to do any magic, <laughs> we, we, we want you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so amazing, the, the, the talent um, that is out there, but also mm. the, the bravery and the courage to get up and perform when these guys are often riddled with negative thoughts Really low self esteem and confidence, anxiety. Get up on stage and perform Mm -hmm. in front Mm -hmm. of people. It's like wow. As you know, it was hairs on the back of the neck uh, kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. and emotional. And so I was like, all right, we're going to do this again. And we slowly just brought it in to be part of that event and the network. Mm -hmm. um, That the music was a big part of it as well. So that's been running. Um, collaboratively since probably now 2019 or so. Um, We've got another event planned for mental health week. Each each year we do the event. So we do the opening night of the exhibition and the live performances, activities in the courtyard. Um, We get our youth reference group to have a really big input into that to create a a safe and welcoming space Mm -hmm. for people, put out a call to... Performers, We've linked in with Andrew um, at CCAT as well. So he obviously works with people directly who perform and mm-hmm. we put together a, a set list, a, like a run list of, yep. you know, we've had 14 to 15 performers, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe one might drop out in a night, which is just incredible considering the, the challenges these guys might be coming with. And it's just incredibly connecting and um, just the courage mm-hmm. blows me away, mm. which is why I started to play some music mm. myself. You know, yep. st- strumming in the bedroom for so long. Mm-hmm. To I don't know how or why I did it, and I know why, but I don't know how. Open mic on my own. I, c- oh, I, don't, wow. I don't, I don't, I don't sing <laughs> yeah. very well. I'm a, I'm a not humble. Yep. I just don't sing very well. <laughs> right. um, my guitar playing is pretty flat. <laughs> okay. Um, but I played some open mics. Because yeah, right. of these guys, I've, I was asking them to play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't you do it yourself? Yeah. So they're inspiring. Yeah. Mm. So we, we've we used music that way. Um, we, we've got a guitar in the waiting room now, which is great when people pick it up and start playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still looking for ways to get these guys involved in music outside of a mental health service or a drug and alcohol service. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can grab a couple of mates and rent a r- rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do these guys really access that and get their music out there?
1: Yeah. And do places like HQ foster that sort of thing?
2: They do. They have, they do a, what do they do? Like a new band thing, I think, on the first Friday of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, And they do hold some workshops throughout the year. But again, they're like based on being able to get grants. Yeah. Um, WAM do, so the WA Music WAM. Yep. um, They do songwriting workshops and things like that for members. And during COVID, it was good they they made the membership free. Mm -hmm. So we could get our young guys to go, just go and register. And And then you have access to all these workshops. Mm. Um, but then you've got to go as well. You've got to be brave enough to go and yeah. sit there. And
1: that, That's in Northbridge, is it Wham?
2: Well, they have moved to the old um, Heathcote hospital site there on the south side of the river.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh,
2: cool. They've moved out there.
1: Hmm. Yep. Yeah, because even Wham, I know I had a friend who was a volunteer there. Um, he's done a lot of work in the music industry over the years. Mm. And she said that even their funding's a bit of a challenge now. Yep. Yeah, as well a lot of artsies, I think. But yeah. yeah,
2: so the expectation of them to be able to provide for all is quite, is unrealistic, yeah. isn't it? I mean, they've got the whole state to try and get to, and you know, the guys in the rural areas who yeah. constantly miss out on on things. Um, they do some things out there, and they do the song of the year competitions, and but we are trying to link with WHAM to get some opportunities for these guys, so like a mm. like a bit of a pathway or. Um, we don't want to make our event like a talent comp. That's mm-hmm. too much pressure for yeah. people. Um, and our youth reference group made that pretty clear. Let's just drop that. But we might mm-hmm. be able to put something in the background of, you know, after, after the event, go up to someone and say, hey, look, we've got an opportunity for you to go and record mm-hmm. um, a few hours at a studio. You know, do you want it? Yeah. yeah
1: you've got to think there's a lot of philanthropy uh, money out there that goes to various causes, and this seems like a pretty easy one to sell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you know, to Lotteries West or yeah, or somebody. You know, only
2: yeah. issue we found is it's not an incorporated group, so we don't have a ABN or a bank account. Okay, wow. um, being a government service that I work for, we can't apply for grants. Right, um, so you rely on another agency to be able to do it, and their organisation might not mm-hmm. um, allow it either. So. We rely a lot on donations Mm -hmm. and it's been the the donations we get are incredible. Andrew did mention that actually I think when we
1: spoke to him about was there a group of ladies who donated, they made something or donated?
2: Yeah, look, at our work, one of our social workers has this mysterious community out there of people (laughs) that she is able to um, bring in just amazing gifts like whether it be moisturizers or candles or scrubs mm, or mm-hmm. teacups or whatever, and our our boardroom's a bit like this size, and the whole table is filled with all these donations, wow. yeah. and we wrap them up into gift baskets, mm-hmm. and we have a free raffle, so people often walk away with something because there's like 40, 40 gifts. Wow, yeah, <laughs> so it's we can't we don't want to make money from it. Um, We'd like to be able to fund certain things mm. that we do. Mm. Um, but it is tricky trying to get donation, like financial donations. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
1: And is that because all of the people driving it are probably employed by Health? Is that?
2: There's a few by Health and a few by other um, community managed organisations and it just okay. gets a bit tricky. Yeah. But the main thing is we're putting on an event for, for people who wouldn't normally have access to showing off their artwork or performing on stage and yeah. and, we're, and we're starting to bring more of the local community and um it's starting to become a pretty good event that's great yeah
1: that's that's how i met andrew in the first place and then UBI association was mm-hmm. they brought in a couple of um, clients from ccat mm-hmm. to do an exhibition of their art downstairs here it was during mental health week last year. And they, their support workers came in and yep. the, the practice kind of manager came in as well. Yep. And then, yeah, and the, the uh, clients actually gave a short talk, each yep. of them. Excellent. Which was actually quite a big thing mm. yep. based on what they'd gone through. Mm. And then their therapists gave a talk and, yeah, I just think it's the best way of getting things out there is
2: putting them in front of people. And yep. And, yep. Yeah. and their story is so powerful. Yep. Yeah. And their recovery journey and, that's yep, it. it's amazing. So one, one thing that – a couple of words
1: you mentioned there was the reference group that you guys mm-hmm. use, <laughs> Yep. yep. So, which is um, interesting. Now, are those um, pa- uh, clients of you guys or is it other young Cl- people? From um, people
2: who have accessed the service now and in the past. Okay. And they, they can stay with the youth reference group for I think two or three years after their 25th birthday. Okay. Okay. Um, and their their input is really varied it could be hey look we're looking to run a group um
1: here's our here's
2: our ideas what do you think it might be about the event the art and mental health network event um what activities should we do Mm -hmm. to make it youth friendly it might be we're redesigning our interview rooms can you can you tell us what what Types of things you like in there, what type of lighting, mm-hmm. um, what colours, and or it might be high level stuff responding to something from the mental health commission. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can be involved as much as they like. They can be involved by email um, on a, on an email distribution list. They can respond by email. They can come into meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, we just value their input so much. Yeah, because they're our they're our customer. Yeah. So, it's basically like a consumer reference group. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Lived experience. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And you find that um, it's kind of pleasing to be able to deal with people who have gone through the service and then see how they're doing all those years after.
2: Yeah. And seeing them grow as young leaders and decision makers, it's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Like, um, some of them have some really good jobs and their influence is increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, even on the network, when we um, work together with the youth reference group, I often get told by them about stuff I haven't done yet. Hey, Shane, you, you said you're going to do this. Why, let's, let's get on this. The power yeah. imbalance is, <laughs> yeah. is not there. It's, yeah. it's a flat structure. And, sure. and I, I, that makes me smile when that happens, mm. that they have the 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 confidence to go, you know, mm. Do what you say you're going to do, mate. Mm. So yeah. that, that's what uh, yep. it's
0: meant to be, That yep. That power play should never be there yep. with things like yep. mental health yeah. and health in general. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really mm. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, well. So we've gone sort of full circle there with <laughs> talking about a few different bits. Was mm. there anything that you wanted to mention or discuss before we wrapped up? Um, do I get the job? Yes. Yeah, I no, no, Sorry, it's not an Yeah, sorry. I've had an interview
2: recently and yeah. had to talk a lot about myself. All oh, right. Okay. Um, now I just think um, it, it's it's a challenging world out there for for everybody, um, and people are doing the best they can. And it, for me, it always just comes back to compassion and trying to trying to drop the judgment. I mean, we we judge. We're we naturally judge and. Mm assessing our place in the world too. But mm-hmm. if we can, you know, just sit and listen to people, hear their story, which is why I love working in mental health. It's about um, listening. Yeah. One um, um, fellow by the name, um, Uncle Charlie, uh, an Aboriginal elder who we were working with for a little while said, we've got two ears and one mouth. Charlie Kickett. Charlie Kickett. Mm-hmm. I've seen him
1: talk
0: before. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: He's, He's amazing. You've got to put the kettle on when he talks. <laughs> but um, as he said, like, you've got two ears and one mouth. We should listen mm. twice as much as we, as we talk. So, yeah. you know, often um, you find yourself in a conversation with people and they're always looking for the next thing that they're going to say and you know they've, they've tuned out. Yeah. you know. So you can
0: tell in people's faces as well yep. when they've tuned out. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. The-
2: yep. And then that just makes okay. you drop yeah, out. No. You know? <laughs> okay. <Well. laughs> and then the story <laughs> kicks off. Oh, geez, I'm not interesting. No one likes me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not giving too much away about my inner inner thoughts, but um, yeah, compassion and kindness and. And inclusion is is pretty important, I think, for all of us. But um, yeah. that forms a big part of our work, in mental health.
1: Yeah, excellent. Well, it's been uh, great hearing with my two ears, yeah, <laughs> your, some of your experiences and your um, reflections. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, appreciate you coming up and taking the time.
2: Nice to meet you, Craig and Courtney. Thank you for having me, and good luck with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks very much. Cool, thanks.
1: was our conversation with Shane Thomas Mm. from Youth Axis.
0: He seems like such a cool guy.
1: Yeah.
2: Like like,
0: so chill, so into it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really interesting kind of um, uh, ideas that he's talked about. Um, Definitely can articulate that feeling of, like, getting into something and feeling Mm. the vibe and and all that and the necessity of it as well. Yeah, Yeah, really cool.
1: Just my impression is that Shane's someone who just loves what he does. Yeah. And when when life is like that, then your work doesn't seem like work, I think. Mm. Yeah, really, really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think there's some messages that um, everyone can take away, really. It's not just about youth service; like that's a that's a point of access yeah. that's obviously needed, um, as he pointed out. Um, but yeah, there are definitely some kind of ideas that everyone can take away yeah. um, to kind of help improve mental health and and issues that we all face.
1: Yeah, I, I really liked. I think reflecting on some of the stuff Shane was talking about is really big on communication, mm. and obviously that can be between. you you know, a service provider and their client, but it can also be between the services as well. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, sort of alluded to the fact that we've been really good at separating services and needs (laughs) into separate streams, which doesn't work because people have all of those needs at the same time usually. Yeah. And also like
0: that client or or the patient is the one who knows about, Mm -hmm. how all of those things fit in together as well. So they're they're the voice for that complexity. That's it. Um, Yeah.
1: It was encouraging to hear Shane as someone who is in the system working, um, noticing that it's getting better even though it still exists. It's getting better that, you know, people are upskilling and able to handle a drug and alcohol issue Mm. as well as a mental health problem at the same time, you know, and help people with
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. Those silos need to of breakdown which yeah. is actually it's kind of interesting and, and this is just a very big thought bubble but there's um there's a, a new horror movie coming out or well, mm-hmm. i think has come out called silo okay. and it's all about like community living in like a literal silo oh, and right. you're not allowed outside and yeah. one yeah interesting grain silo. Like, yeah, yeah yeah it's like okay. yeah it's so it's so interesting and weird <laughs> i don't know if i'll watch it it seems too scary <laughs> but like that applied to health services where we're all in our little silo and, like, freaked out about what's on the outside. Yeah. Um, Very applicable to health services, I think. Yeah, it sounds like it. A little scary until you get out there and and actually um, talk to people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Look, uh, yeah, I've seen it. Um, We see it with people coming in out of prison a lot that Mm, they mm -hmm. even just to get mental health support, the support they're getting in the prison doesn't continue into the outside because it's a different service provider, different health system. Yeah. So that's one form of siloing. But, yeah, the form where you've maybe got a drug-related issue yeah. and then you've also got maybe an anxiety or depression problem or, you know, whatever it might be and you get sent to two separate places to try yeah. and help, that sort But of then thing.
0: also, like, if you rely on a GP, um, even if mm. you have a singular GP, like, it also can't be expected on them to...
1: yeah. To be able to handle all that. Because yeah.
0: it, it does require specialist things. but Yeah. yeah. So it's, 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 it's an interesting problem. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that's, what the solution is.
1: That's a whole other episode I think as well mm-hmm. for us for the podcast because, you know, the federal budget just came out. And yeah, true. And there's been a few changes in the way primary care and GPs are funded. Yeah. And there's some really interesting conversations to be had around that, around the fact that you can go to your GP you know, ideally you should be able to go to your GP practice and you may not even need to see your GP. You might just need a script or you might just need a nurse or something like that. Yeah. And the way the funding works right now, it's hard for them to provide those services without you going to the GP and the GP mm. getting mm-hmm. the bill for that. Um, whereas ideally it would be better to be able to go there and they can just find the item that relates to the nurse or yeah. find the item that relates to the vaccination that you needed Definitely. or whatever it is. So, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole other topic
2: <laughs> to have with
1: someone with health systems yeah. experience. Yeah. Um oh, yeah, geez. fascinating.
0: So interesting.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, but, yeah, we haven't actually sat and chatted for
2: a while. So, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so many thoughts. <laughs> lost, lost getting busy. Oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. oh,
0: it just gets insane, doesn't
1: it? Yeah. But, anyway, we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up. Um where can people get in touch with us if they liked this episode um, or yeah, have feelings yeah, yeah, or thoughts my about job, it?
0: Isn't it? Yeah, not it? Yeah, thoughts and feelings. Um, we love hearing about people's thoughts and feelings, um, particularly through email, um, meaningofhealthatoutlook.com, or you can tweet us at healthmeanswhat. You can contact us on Facebook, uh, Meaning of Health Podcast, and on Instagram as well, also Meaning of Health podcast of some sort I think, um, yeah, or could, Health Means What.
1: It could be Health Means What. Yeah, what actually, if you search yeah. it,
0: then you'll find us. You'll find um, us. Yeah, so please contact us. We'd, we'd love to hear from um, our audience and uh, any comments or questions or if you want to be a, a guest, yeah. let us know.
1: We do get the occasional email. We so do. So that's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Every so often. Yeah. Although our, our email has been signed up for some like, it was signed up for like a law service at some point. Now someone from America oh, yeah. trying to contact me. We've uh, won
1: lots of money apparently We've as won well. lots of money, yeah, yeah. we've got prizes to collect. Yeah. We just need to send, <laughs> send the administration through. Oh, funny. So anyway. So it's
0: real emails. It'd be great. <laughs>
1: we'll do an episode of going through the, the spam email one oh, day.
0: Oh, God. Well, I think there's <laughs> Domino's in there as well. I don't know Could how we be. signed up for Domino's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, thanks very much. Oh,
0: yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah,
1: thanks for listening. And yeah, we'll be back soon with another one. The Meaning of Health podcast is produced with the support of the Education Enhancement Unit and the School of Population and Global Health at the University of Western Australia. The podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber, with editing, mixing and additional music by Craig Cumming.